Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of World of Wellness Podcast. I'm so grateful to be here. It's been, I feel like it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded a live podcast. We moved from Orange County to LA and it's everything's been just crazy and great and life is good. Today we have a special guest, Allison Blod. Allison and I had a fabulous conversation. Allison is a registered nutritional therapist and a beauty therapist, and she lives in Sweden. And she has worked in the health and wellness industry for over 30 years and specializes in menopausal women's health where she runs her own online clinic, helping women worldwide manage the negative symptoms that we get from menopause. And her mission is to support her clients with diet, health, and lifestyle so that they can harness the hormones and get their confidence and their sparkle back, as she likes to say. So you guys will love this conversation. We go all the way from nutrition to stress, to bloating, to alcohol and managing symptoms. And it is just a phenomenal, uh, conversation across the board. So please enjoy. All right. Um, Allison, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm super excited to chat with you. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thank you so much. It's lovely to be here talking to you today. Uh, my name is Alison Blard, uh, and I'm a registered nutritional therapist uh, and a beauty therapist. Uh, and I work with clients on, on a one-to-one basis. Um, I like to say I help women get back their sparkle. So I work with perimenopause and menopausal women, you know, due, through this difficult time period with the using the power of nutrition and lifestyle and, and mindset modifications really to to help you feel great again and get back your zest and, and sparkle for life. Awesome. So I'm, I'm curious of how you got, what was your inspiration of working with perimenopausal and menopausal women? Yeah, it's, it's, it's good that you asked me that because basically long story short, when, when I was growing up, when I came in, became a teenager, I suffered from very bad skin. So I had, you know, the acne, uh, teen, uh, teenage acne, uh, majority of the times that is down to hormones uh, and I didn't really get the help that I needed and I can remember feeling very you know it's it's really upsetting to have skin issues when when you're going through puberty so that stimulated me to study to be a beauty therapist so an esthetician and I specialized in women with hormonal skin problems and that kind of led me into working with women that were in perimenopause and menopause because they were another big group of people that just didn't get the help that they needed. Because skin issues, you know, you you always assume that that happens when you're in puberty, you know, when you're teens. But all of a sudden, you can develop acne like when you go into perimenopause because all your hormones are, are all over the place. So I concentrated working with women within this age group, improving their skin uh, conditions. But one piece that I very quickly began to realize was that, you know, the nutritional side and the lifestyle side is also needed in skin health. Uh, so that's what, you know, after seeing clients that once they change their nutrition, everything really fell into place with, with their skin uh, problems. So then I went back to university and studied to be a nutritional therapist uh, and now working specifically with menopausal women. And also I think, throughout my career in the health and wellness industry, just seeing so many women in this time 
period that don't get any help. They don't get any support. And a lot of the time when you come into perimenopause, you don't necessarily realise that that's what it is. You know, you just think it's maybe down to, oh, you know, you've, you've, you're very busy, you're very stressed, you've probably got family, you know, it's just life in general. But, you know, there's so many different symptoms of, of uh, perimenopause and menopause that a lot of these creep up on you without you really realising that it is menopause. Right. Um, there, you said so much there. The first, the, we'll break it all down, but the first thing that I kind of want to talk about is the skin and we'll get into the other stuff too, but you know, I've read that your skin is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so how many people do you see kind of try to use topical things to heal their skin and not go internally. And something that I was just reading that says, like, if you have zits on your face, it's like, um, your body trying to push out toxins. Is it, is that correct? Or can you yeah, elaborate a little yeah. bit? Yeah. The, the, it's more, it's, it's, there's so many different factors involved when, if, if we're talking about acne, I mean, there's loads of different other things that can happen to your skin during this time, like pigmentation and dry skin and sensitivity. But, you know, for, for acne to develop in answer to your question yes you know what you eat and and what comes from within it is it plays a part in that absolutely you know and when you when you work on the outside with with products through you know working with a professional that knows the treatments and products that you need and then also changing uh, what you eat if, if that's necessary and checking for things like mineral deficiencies um you know, all it's the whole thing you need to work on to have good skin. Uh, you know, eating the odd bar of chocolate or or sweets occasionally won't really cause a acne. But if you're doing things like that every day, it's like a it's like a build up, and all of a sudden that shows in your skin. But it's so true that how you are and and how you're feeling and and how your health is absolutely portrays in in your skin I mean you see people don't you say oh someone's glowing and you know that's a sign of of health and another really interesting uh fact is that the you know the microbiome that lives in in the the gut like the, the bacteria that we have that there's been loads of research on it now but they're actually finding or looking into, you know, that the skin has its own microbiome as well. It's very early stages, this research, but, they're, you know, they're thinking that, you know, if we can use products that, that help the skin with the probiotics in, you know, maybe that will help to crack, not only from working from within, but also from the outside. So it's a fascinating area. So when women are hitting perimenopause and menopause, can't get that word, do, uh, does, does the skin change? Yes. Uh, but one thing we must remember is that it's it's not we can't blame everything on menopause. Right. right. Uh, because it is also part of the aging process. You know, the, the skin does change and we do get facial lines as, as we get older. And that, that is just part of the aging process. But what what happens with the skin as we, we go into uh, perimenopause and menopause is that, you know, estrogen is is really important for the skin. It's important for everything. We have estrogen receptors all over the body. And when our estrogen levels start to decline, this has a huge effect on the skin. Uh, Estrogen helps, you know, it gives the skin that real glowing, fresh, 
it ha- helps with you know collagen and elastin so it mm-hmm. helps keep the firm firmness look of the skin uh, and it can also cause you know once the skin or hormones decline it can cause dryness on the skin because estrogen can help to balance uh, the sebaceous flow which is the natural oils that we produce on the skin so th- there's a lot of things going on in the skin due to uh, the lack of uh, hormones but but also like i say to do with the uh, aging process it's a combination really yeah so I've seen women who have no symptoms with menopause and it's just very fluid and smooth. And then I've also seen other women who have just major hot flashes and fatigue. How much does our nutrition influence the symptoms that we get from menopause? A lot. I mean, but we must remember that it, you have to look at the whole picture, you know, nutrition and lifestyle is plays a huge part in in how you feel and, and how you get through menopause and yeah, perimenopause yeah. and menopause but you know that then there's also the side with hormone replacement therapy um you know it, it's looking i think that the the main thing is that a woman understands and gets all the information she needs during this time period so then she can make the decision herself of, of what is right for her but absolutely i mean nutrition is is key because you know, going back to your question, Megan, that, you know, if you look after yourself and and don't carry a lot of extra weight and you're not eating a lot of processed foods and sugary foods, when you go into perimenopause, I can't say for definite because everybody experiences differently, but you will have or should have a slightly better experience of it. I mean, hot flushes have been in studies related to um, weight. So if, if you're slightly um, overweight, then you you will suffer or can suffer from hot flushes worse. And it tends to make all the symptoms of menopause worse. But there are some women, like you said, that just glide through perimenopause and menopause and don't really have any problems at all. So it's, it's very individual. And it's an area that we need more research done on. Um, there's lacking research on women in general. Uh, so there's still a lot of questions really unanswered. Um, I'm curious, why do, um, why do you think that there's not a lot of research on it? Because there's like half the population is women, right? Like, <laughs> why yeah. wouldn't there be a lot of it on there? Uh, I totally agree. And I mean, if you think, Every single woman at some stage will go through menopause. It, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a totally natural process in our lives. It's not a disease. Yeah. I think when when what I've read regarding research on women is that when 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 we're researching on women because of our hormones, you know, because of menstruation and hormones throughout the month, we're quite hard to do research on because everything is, you know. Well, unstable is not the right word but you know it's a natural thing with hormones yeah and and to get the results that we need in studies it's it's not I'm not saying that that's acceptable because I think that should 100% be more research done on women but men are easier because they're more their their hormone levels are more stable and obviously women you know you've got pregnancy there's, there's so many things that goes on with our bodies and I think that research becomes more tricky when when doing research on women but I mean I'm not (laughs) I totally think there should be so I'm not saying that that's just 
one of the the areas that I've read in in in, in research about why you know we should do it on, on more women. Because I mean, animal studies. There's animal studies being done, but I mean, you have to do it on women. You can't just take results from animal studies. That's that's just not enough. Right. Right. Um, so, what are I guess? So, what are the biggest things that women need to address in relation to their nutrition? when it comes to their stage in life when they're hitting these things yeah so the, the menopause you've got perimenopause which starts at around the age of 45 mm-hmm. uh, and that's really where you're still menstruating you can still get pregnant but your, your hormone levels can fluctuate quite a lot so you know they can be up and down and and this is what can cause the some of the symptoms that you may experience and then once you've gone through perimenopause and you've not had a period for a year so you've not menstruated for a year, you're then in menopause. And then after that, all the years after that are actually post-menopause, where you you, you don't produce um, very much estrogen, you still produce a little bit, but very little estrogen, uh, and you, you're not fertile anymore. So the key areas that you really need to, to think about is uh, nutrition-wise is looking after your bones. So bone health, because again, estrogen is very important for bone health. So you really need to think about eating, you know, your your calcium rich foods, you know, so like dairy products and all all your leafy greens and and, uh, salmon and, and, you know, bony fish, sardines, etc. So bone health is crucial. Also heart health. So really thinking about um, nutrition for heart health, because, again, estrogen is plays a role in uh, the integrity and health of our arteries so you know you really need to think about what you're eating and fruit and vegetables more of a what I would call a Mediterranean style diet so there is quite interesting actually there's been a lot of research done on more plant-based diets I'm not saying that you you, you have to be a vegetarian but you know eating more plant-based foods and less meat tends to to produce better outcomes and you know mediterranean style diet has all the wonderful fats that you know like olive oil or your nuts and seeds avocados um legumes beans fruit and vegetables and fish and more white meats and and they do eat red meat but more you know less often not not every day or not even every week but i mean a med it, it it's important to say it's a Mediterranean style diet because it means something different, really, doesn't it? If, you know, some people think, oh, you know, what is a Mediterranean? I don't live in the Mediterranean. How am I going to eat that diet? But it, it's more of a plant based diet with lots of lovely protein and oils and, and whole grain carbohydrates. So that that's good for heart health. Well, it was good for all overall health. And another really interesting area that's coming out now in, in um, research is brain health. Uh, because it's it's starting you know it's, it's again it's you know there's nothing conclusive but women tend to suffer uh from dementia a, a lot more than men do and it comes you know in later life so you know there, there are questions of does estrogen play a role in in our brain health 
you know, there's also been studies done on hormone replacement therapy to see if what outcomes that has with with brain health. So, you know, brain health, eating all your wonderful fats, omega-3 oils and, and all the fats are crucial for, for brain health. And getting rid of all the processed foods and, and sugary foods and, you know, the foods that what we call the standard American diet, which is just full of refined processed foods, with, which have really been, in, in a way, it's not really even a food anymore. It's had everything good taken out of it, all the fiber, everything. Um, it, it, you know, it's terrible for your body. So really just trying to eat whole foods, not foods that have, you know, a list of 30 different ingredients on, on the back. It doesn't have to be difficult either. People will say, oh, I can't do that. I've got no time. But it really doesn't have to be difficult. My uh, favorite thing is when everybody's like, oh, I don't have enough time to food prep. I'm like, the oven will be your best friend. Just cut up, cut up vegetables, potatoes, pan or uh, baked chicken, whatever. And it's easy. There's not a lot of cleanup. And, and I think that's a huge thing because people don't want to put in the time and effort. But like you're saying, it doesn't have to be challenging or complicated. No, it really doesn't. I mean, like you say, you can have, you know, I tried, tried to do cooking on a Sunday and I, you know, I, I don't have time to do all fancy cooking, but you know, you roast a chicken. Yeah. You have that in the fridge. You have loads of lovely salads and vegetables. Like you were saying, it doesn't, you go into the fridge when you come home from work, you take out, it take, takes max 10 minutes to prepare and you've got a lovely, healthy meal. Right. It's, it is. It's just about preparation and having those things in the fridge, but you don't have to start cooking meals that take hours to make. Right. Well, and then it also comes down to what's your priority. And, and if you're not making nutrition your priority, you're going to suffer some of the side effects that you get from not eating healthy. And then it poses the question of like, is the pain of how you're feeling more intense than the pain it is to change something small to feel better. Right. It's like, it's almost yeah. like that mindset to, we can talk about that too, but it's almost like the mindset to making a shift is more challenging than actually making the shift. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally great. So it's so down to the person, isn't it? You have to have that motivation to do it. I mean, I always say, to people, you know, I can I can help you and I can give you all the advice and all the support you need, hundred percent. But if you're not motivated to do it, it's a complete waste of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, can we talk about? I want to talk about bloating a little bit, and then I also want to talk about stress, and I think they probably go together a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, so. How much does, how does stress play a role in menopause and how, how does that exacerbate it, et cetera? I think you know where to go for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, stress, you know, I can't say enough how important it is during, well, in all stages of life, but even more so in perimenopause and menopause. And, and one thing I say to my clients is if you're only going to do, well, two things, to help yourself during this time period is manage your stress and balance your blood sugar because they will give you the biggest results uh, almost immediately. But stress is just so, it just affects everything. 
And what we have to remember when we go into perimenopause and menopause, it can start, perimenopause start at the age of 45. It can, you know, that's on average, it can start earlier. And that normally is in a woman's stage of life that, you know, you've probably got a family at home, you've got a career, you've got a job, you may be having parents that are slightly older that need looking after. So in general, it is a very stressful time. It can be quite overwhelming that time period and then on top of that you get these menopausal symptoms creeping in so you really need to learn how to manage stress because the stress response which is the hormones that we produce when we are stressed one in particular which is called cortisol that just you know there's nothing wrong with the stress response that is for survival that's what we needed when we were running away from a tiger across the tundra but I mean, these days we don't have those sort of threats. It's we. It's just everyday uh, life things that come, like you know, being stuck in traffic on the way to work, or you know, uh, being irritated with your boss. Little things just build up throughout the day, so you're constantly having that stress response. And estrogen, as estrogen levels decline, it can really affect like the way that you feel, and it can cause anxiety and mood swings. You know, and if you're constantly stressed, it just escalates and, you know, you feel terrible. So try to, it's, it's, you know, to say to someone that is stressed, I want you to manage your stress, can sometimes make them feel even more stressed. Right. So trying to do things like even what I say to my clients that, you know, are very busy and very stressed, just doing something as simple as breathing, just for couple of minutes if you feel things are kind of way going really out of control just stop what you're doing and breathe deeply and breathing it's really underestimated how amazing that is because it totally switches off the stress response and just calms you down and gives you another focus um so doing breathing techniques interesting that that's been shown if you do breathing techniques twice a day that it can help some people with hot flushes as well um so th- that's interesting and then doing something nice for yourself every day even if it's just reading a book or just having a cup of tea and staring out the window going for a 10 minute walk it really doesn't have to be you know doing an hour's yoga or meditation which of course is is brilliant if you can do that majority of people don't prioritize these sorts of things in their lives so I think it's about finding small things that that work for that person that you know it's very individual mindset you know really thinking how do I actually feel today taking some deep breaths when you get out of bed not letting things escalate um and being in the moment you know really being conscious of how you feel in that moment so it's stress is that you could do a whole podcast on stress. <laughs> I probably should now that I think about it. But um, I kind of wanted to add in there and play off this a little bit too. Like we we have the choice to respond. Like we our response is a choice. So like we can choose to respond to our constant notifications or the way that our bosses with stress, or we can choose to kind of take a step back and do a couple deep breaths. So like we, we have to almost create a barrier of um, what we let affect us and what we not. And almost, I don't want to use the word rationalize because that's the words that's coming to my head, but like, 
is this something that I need to get all worked up about? You know, would I, would it be better if I take a step back and then approach it in a more methodical way? And I think, um, learning how to slow down. I think breathing techniques are great and, you know, wherever, in whatever you put it, but we're too, uh, we're too stimulated. So then everything becomes a stress response. And then if we're eating poorly with eating processed foods and sugars, that's a stress on the body. So take all of our external stress, tie that in with the internal stress that we're putting into our body. That just is going to be a havoc for all the hormones being thrown off out of balance. Yeah. Totally. Well said. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So I wanted to talk about bloating because I was listening to one of your other podcasts and I didn't, I was, I think, I think what you were saying is that even though we might not be gaining weight, our midsection will expand during the menopausal time. Can you elaborate more on that? Cause I found that very interesting. Yeah. It, weight gain can can be a, an issue for for women just you know you you have leading a normal lifestyle you know you eat okay and everything and all of a sudden you can find that your your weight shifts more to to the middle to the the tummy area uh, and and that can be very distressing for for women of course and it doesn't necessarily mean that you put on weight it just means that your weight shifts so you go from you know the, the more of the, the pear shape that that we have when we're younger to more of a, an apple shape so you carry the weight more around the middle area and this is really due to due to um one of the reasons that it's due to is that the hormonal shift uh, you tend to collect more weight around the the middle area when when you go through menopause and, and perimenopause. Um, there's reasons behind this. It can be do, to do with um, hormone imbalances, uh, and it can also be due to um, you know going back to good old stress. You know, if you're constantly stressed, one of the things that cortisol does it raises your blood sugar because it, it, it's there to give you energy so you can run away from, from the tiger. Uh, and if you've got high blood sugar levels, uh, your body will store that. Once it's stored it in the liver, it will store it as fat, and that fat will collect around the middle area. Cortisol is actually what we call a fat-storing hormone. So it's, it's, it is very difficult to lose weight when you're constantly stressed. If even if you're really thinking about what you eat, because the cortisol, the effect of that, it will store fat around the middle area. Um, and also blood sugar. If you've got high blood sugar levels of insulin, which is the hormone that is released when we eat carbohydrates to help the your body utilize that, it kind of it's like the key that opens up the door to the cell so we can take in that energy. Insulin again is a, a fat storing hormone. So if, if you're not thinking about what you're eating and, and your blood sugar levels are up and down all the time and you've got higher blood sugar levels, it will collect around the middle area. So it, it, it just it's like an accumulation of many things that happened, happens to women in, in midlife. And, you know, on top of that, you've got the metabolic effects of uh, the decline in, in hormones. So. I I know you kind of said this, but just to kind of wrap it in and trial it in. So basically if, and I don't mean to basic it, but 
essentially our lifestyle and diet choices exacerbate what already happens in the body as a natural aging process. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I guess and then that would be why it's so important to like, even somebody who's my age to start this like healthy lifestyle now to get in front of it. Is it possible for if somebody is really taking control of their stress and managing it? Well, I don't like that term stress management, but they're managing their stress while they're eating healthy, they're exercising, they're doing kind of breathing and calming down the nervous system techniques. Can, is it possible to like hardly see any symptoms of menopause? It's very, excuse me, it's very difficult to say because everyone is so individual. However, I would say that it would put you in a very good position when you go into perimenopause, if you're in, if you're in a healthy state, absolutely. Uh, So it is something that I would, would recommend totally. How much does, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's, it's, you know, the the weight that you are, your mental attitude, you know, towards stress and everything, it will really affect how you go into perimenopause. I think, and also embracing it and realizing that this time in in a woman's life is, is actually, you know, it's, it's totally normal. I think menopause has been, you know, it's not a disease. I think we have to really make so this is a it's just a phase that that we go through and we should embrace it and you know older women that are wiser and you know we've got lots of knowledge and we we should be celebrated I completely agree with you that honestly gave me goosebumps because it's and it's almost like a it's it's almost a gift because like you've been through life like it's you you like you're saying you have the wisdom and the knowledge and it's just almost like a right right of passage like cool like i've lived life and going through menopause so i think that sometimes it could be a symbol of somebody to like the end of their life is coming you know what i mean so i guess it's kind of using that mindset shift and what you're saying of like celebrating life rather than kind of that comes down to the mindset again right of um the way that you're approaching it yeah Totally. And, and, you know, thinking, you know, how, how wonderful you are. You are amazing. And you've been, you know, this, every woman's got a story to tell, haven't they? Just realizing that, okay, I might, my hormone levels might be declining, but there's nothing wrong. This is a totally natural process that will happen to everybody. And just, you know, a lot of it's, I think it's fantastic when, when women are, you see a lot of women that are in post-menopause, so they've gone through the menopause transition and they're so vibrant and they all of a sudden, you know, open up a business and go off traveling around the world. And, you know, they, they become r- real strong, wonderful women that have a great story to tell. There's so many women that are in post-menopause that are, are just fascinating to listen to you know their life story and they really embrace it with with joy um how much does how much does alcohol influence the way our body reacts with menopause yeah alcohol is a huge thing (laughs) really is what i it's, it's funny actually you asked that because I see a pattern with my clients that even though, you know, that they like the odd glass of wine maybe in the evening or, or at weekends and, 
a lot of women have actually given up alcohol in this time period because they said it is just not worth the way that it makes me feel. Mm. You know, it can really make your symptoms worse, uh, like like the hot flushes, night sweats. It can really interrupt in your sleep. I mean, sleep in general can be affected during perimenopause, but it really can affect your sleep. It can you can wake up in the night, so it. It's difficult to say to someone to stop drinking completely. You know, it's everything in moderation. But really, you know, if you're having a couple of glasses of wine every day, just give it a try to even for a week to not do that. And I can virtually guarantee you will feel better. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is a toxin. It is alcohol is is a a poison to the body and it it affects the blood sugar and you know there's so many different things that happen in the body when we drink uh alcohol that in this time of life when you really need to take care of yourself a little bit more you know maybe think about just reducing alcohol if you do drink every day Uh, i'm also curious about women's sex drive do they usually go up or down when they hit this time of life Usually libido decreases yeah, because okay. of the, the lack of uh, hormones and also uh, testosterone, which which women have um, due to the natural aging process declines as, as we get older. So libido can absolutely uh, decline quite a lot, actually, to a point where, you know, it becomes a problem for women um, and also things, you know, because of the estrogen and and the effects that it has on our body, you can develop things like vaginal dryness. Uh, So actually, you know, it hurts to have sexual intercourse. So you obviously will try to avoid that. Uh, But, you know, the thing that I would say to women with this is there is help and there is support and there's so easy things that you can do that will help cure that problem. You know, like um, hormone replacement therapy gels, and, and things that you can place inside the vagina, which helps with that issue. So it isn't something that you need to suffer with. You just need to go and see a doctor and, and get the advice and the help that you need. Um, I'm curious of your opinion on hormone replacement with menopause. Yeah, hormone replacement therapy is it's quite a controversial uh subject um my my personal um view on it is that that i am not against it at all i think there is a place for it and i think that it can really help women um and, and you know we've come such a long way now with hormone replacement therapy it's finding the right dose and the right one that is correct for, for you and i am not saying that everybody could take it It depends on your health history and and if you want to but I always say that get that information find out what is available for you and then you know it's all in your control you can decide and and decide if you want to take it or not but it it can really help women if if it's right for them and it suits them it it really can be beneficial it's not they're trying to say or or, trying to change the name because it isn't really we're not really replacing anything we're just kind of topping up the levels that you would have had normally uh, menopause hormone therapy is is a word that it's actually being you know people are trying to change that name from from replacement therapy right so yeah I think it absolutely has a place and and I'm 
you know, if it suits a person, it's, you know, you can, it, but just because you take hormone replacement therapy, you still need to look at your nutrition and lifestyle. It's kind of like the whole thing. You can't take hormone replacement therapy and think, oh, well, okay, I'm, I'm doing that. I don't need to think about anything else. You know, it all works together. So you really need to think about all the health and, and lifestyle aspects as well as that, if, if it suits you and if you do want to start taking it. But really try to talk to a, a doctor that specializes in menopause to get, you know, the right advice about hormone replacement therapy. Um, so I have two more questions here. One, um, I guess what does it, I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit, but, um, let's talk about the sparkle a little bit <laughs> and how, and, and how would you, I guess this will kind of go to question, but like, at what point would you recommend that somebody come see you for help on their journey? As soon as you, as soon as you start yeah. feeling that you need help, I mean, yeah. it's very different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can think the majority of clients come to me because they just the first thing that they feel is they just have no energy. They feel overwhelmed and, you know, they've really come to the end of their tether and they just want someone to say to give them the support and say, OK, you know, let's sit down and, and talk this through and, and put a plan in place that works for you. Because I work very individually with my clients and and also finding out what is going on. You know, I, I do different um, functional testing depending on, on what the client needs. So I, I would say as soon as you feel, you know, I, I just feel terrible, I've had enough, you get help. You know, you don't, some people come and see me that aren't necessarily at that level either. They, they may be actually feeling totally okay, but they, they really want to protect themselves and know what they should do so they carry on feeling great. Uh, it's, it's a lot of it is about support as well. I think we, we all really know what we should do. Yeah. Really having somebody there to, to guide you and give you the support so you can actually do it. Um, what kind of, I mean, on a general basis, because I understand everybody's different, but on a general basis, what kind of functional um, testing do you have your clients do? Uh, the stool test, uh, that, again, it depends on, on the client's uh, problems. But if there is any digestive issues, uh, if, if bloating or anything like that, I would recommend that the client does a stool test because that is it's just fascinating. It shows you everything, you know, the microbiome, if there's any pathogens, et cetera. Uh, there's a, a test called the Dutch test, which is hormone testing. Uh, and this can be done to, to show you what stage you're at, how your hormones are looking at, you know, that time in your life. There's different tests to, that show for different bacterial over, overgrowth in, in the um, intestinal tract. Uh, so those are the, the tests that I tend to do more often. But then there's the, you know, mineral deficiencies, vitamins and, and, and such, which is it's always good to look at that. So you've got a baseline of you know there's no point in just randomly taking supplements right if you if you don't know that you're deficient of course if you're deficient you can look at someone's meals and and I always try to say food first because I, I prefer that you can get things from food but in some cases if you're very deficient you you would need supplementation but finding out you know what okay you, for example you're low in vitamin d and, and I see that then you know we could put a supplement 
adaptation plan in process. So it's, it's it, you know, there's so many different supplements on the market now. And, and I think people take them because they've read somewhere something that that's great for that. But I mean, they don't even really know if they're deficient in that mineral or vitamin. Well, then there might be like a general read of like 90% of people are deficient in, let's just say vitamin D. So then they're like, well, probably one of the 90%. So then they take it. Um, gosh, it's such interesting stuff. Like, there's, there's so much. And I just, what I really love about what we've talked about so far is that it's, it's, it's all encompassing and it's, it's just, it, it, Again, I don't mean to like boil it down, but it's like your health is so important on everything and it's going to affect the way your quality of life and menopause is going to affect your quality of life as well. So it's creating this whole sphere of, I want to call it safety, but in a sense, it almost is safety, right? It's like a safety, it's like a precaution of like, your vitality yeah, yeah totally i mean it's 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 giving you the quality of life that you want isn't it i mean when when you're young you think you're invincible and you maybe don't look after yourself quite as well as you should but when you get older you can't get away with that as, as much as you could when you were younger so it's it's an investment isn't it in, in your future yeah. and you know yeah. women are, when they go into postmenopause you know women can live for 30 years and plus so that's like a huge part of your of your life. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you see, <laughs> these are extremes, but like, you know, there's women who they think the two oldest women are one was 119, one's 122. So who's to say that you're not going to live another 70 years once you hit menopause? <laughs> exactly. You could do. I mean, that's don't. a whole nother lifetime. <laughs> Um, all right. So I guess my last question here would be, um, there's so much, like, I just, there's so much, I could go back and forth between all these different things, but, um, okay, let me go this, but how important is the, um, how important is the quality of food that we're eating to, you know, cause you know, I can go to the think that I'm getting some iceberg lettuce and think that I'm getting a lot of nutritional content or just some white cauliflower and just get it from the store. But how important is the quality and source of our food when we're, I mean, all the time, right? But. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. That's a huge question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the quality, even unfortunately, you know, when you want to eat healthy and you're eating whole foods, you know, go, if you take a lettuce, for example, you know, you don't know what that lettuce has gone through to get into the shop. You know, it's probably been sprayed with various herbicides and pesticides. Uh, it's been grown, you know, very quickly in, in soils that are depleted of nutrition. So, I mean, if possible, I know this isn't possible for everybody, but try to eat organic foods and produce even if you just pick a few different sorts of, of vegetables and fruits there's actually something called the clean 15 and the dirty dozen I don't know if you've heard of that Megan but it's products that the the clean 15 are the, the fruit and vegetables that are least sprayed with pesticides and the dirty dozen is the ones that are sprayed the most 
so I actually have on my fridge, I have that list. So when I go shopping, I will try and, you know, if I'm only going to buy organic foods, I will buy the ones, you know, on the the, the dirty dozen list uh, because they're the ones that are sprayed, sprayed the most. And that list actually changes. So they do they do update it. That changes uh, every year. But yeah, pesticides uh, and toxins really do affect us that that is in the food and it's in the food chain it's in the environment it's in the soils you know it's 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 difficult because you know you you, we're telling people not to eat all the processed foods which aren't good for your health and you know you're trying to eat healthily by having all really wonderful fruit and vegetables and i mean meat products are very much interfered with aren't they meats and in the hormones and antibiotics so try and buy organic if you can i would say eat meat less often but by good quality yeah um and that comes down to you are what you eat too if you're putting all these toxins in your body or vegetables that are sprayed with toxin that literally gets your body has to process it and who knows what i mean we probably do but like the side effects that that causes in itself related to how our body processes things yeah, it's, it's a big thing. I mean, they, they've toxins in in products that we eat have been related to leaky gut. You know, it really affects the the gut microbiome because it it kills off some of the good bacteria. It can cause imbalanced dysbiosis in in the gut bacteria. And actually, a really interesting uh, study I read the other day was on how um, pesticides and, and toxins. Um, in our environment and, and what we eat are, are affecting our glands. So the glands of our bodies and also the gland that is responsible for producing melatonin, which is um, the sleep hormone, which helps us uh, become sleepy and sleep during the night. Uh, so they've been, you know, people that are suffering from insomnia and sleep issues, which seems to be on the increase. It seems so many people are having way more sleep issues you know, so it's the toxins and pesticides in our foods have a knock-on effect, really, in in every aspect of of our health. Um, what? I just I, I'm I'm getting really excited. <laughs> but what? Um, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who's starting their transition. What would you what would you give them? My only one. <laughs> okay, maybe a couple. <laughs> okay. One of the because oh, there's just so many. Okay, I would say stress management. These are things that you can put into place that will give you the biggest, biggest results. So really be mindful and look after yourself self-compassion, stress management, um, and stop eating sugary, refined, processed foods. If you you just stopped eating those sort of foods, you would see a huge difference in your health. It it affects all markers in the body. If you just took out all the processed, refined, sugary foods, you know, don't forget sugary drinks. People tend to forget you know, drinks that, that they're having, you know, all the fizzy drinks and energy drinks and just drink water, you know, everything in moderation. You don't have to. You, it's okay to have 
a frizzy drink or, or soda, but occasionally, not every day. Right. The, the 90, I would say, you know, at the before you get into menopause, it, you know, you say the 80 20 rule. So if you do 80% of things right and are healthy, then you've got that 20% of margin where you can, you know, have a fizzy drink or maybe have some chocolate. But when you get up into to menopause, you know, it really becomes like 90-10. Yeah. You have to take that little bit extra care of yourself. So stress management and just cutting out sugary refined foods in your diet will give you, if you do those two things, you will feel better. Um, do you think, do you think that those things in themselves are, will help with that bloat that women get from just cutting those things out, managing their stress and cutting out the processed refined sugary drinks? Do you think that would help cut back the bloat that they get and make them feel better about themselves? That would certainly help because the majority of people that suffer from bloating is that back to the gut microbiome, the gut bacteria that can be imbalanced. And that's what can cause the bloating when you eat certain foods that can really cause that. So and processed junk, sugary foods really help. You know, they they can get the the sugar, the bad bacteria really likes that sugar. So you can get the the imbalance in bacteria can become, uh, you know, the, the bad bacteria can take over, which can cause bloating. But bloating can also be to do with, you know, you could be intolerant to certain foods or you could be lactose or gluten intolerant so you really if you do suffer from bloating you really need to see a nutritional therapist to find out what is actually causing it yeah well where can people learn more about you yeah um i'm on most social media platforms Uh, my website is uh www.alisonblard.com uh, and on that website, I have a resources uh, page where there's lots of lovely downloads. There's a Mediterranean style meal plan, and there's actually a, an ebook on bloating and, and everything. So you, there's lots of things there that you can download. Uh, on on um, Instagram, I'm at Alison Blard. And then on Twitter, I have a, a following there, and it's called The Pink Tea Room. It's like a, a hub, a ladies' hub, where we talk about ladies' things. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And I'll link everything into the show notes for people and put it up on the screen so that they can find you. And if you are having trouble with perimenopause or menopause, Allison is your girl. <laughs> oh, thank you, Megan. It's been so lovely. It's such a wonderful subject. We talked for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You can head into the comments where you can find uh, resources to find Allison. Again, such a great interview, such a great conversation. And if you liked this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. And we will see you next week. Get fit, feel good, have fun. Woo!